This is Defenders TV Podcast episode 112, where we are looking at our spoiler-filled recap about Marvel's Iron Fist, season one on Netflix. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to the fourth installment of our recap series. Uh, We're looking at Marvel's Iron Fist Season 1 that was aired on Netflix this year, and uh, this is episode 112 of Defenders TV Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm another one of your hosts, Derek. And rounding out the group, I'm Chris. Yeah, welcome back. This is the fourth installment of uh, each of the Defenders. Before we hit the Defenders series where we're going to review all eight episodes and of course our first episode will be out on the 18th of August just after Netflix dump all eight episodes worldwide into the interweb and interwaves for us to watch over over the TV and computers, tablets and phones, whatever is your fancy. I definitely don't think Netflix used the term dump for their, no. <laughs> for their shows. Or play? They gently, gently place. Yes. They finesse, yes, they finesse yes. the series onto the interweb. Absolutely. Yeah, as John mentioned, we'll be releasing our reviews of each individual episode of The Defenders um, from the 18th of August, the day they start being released, uh, usually about once a week, maybe a little bit more. Um, it's only an eight-episode series, so it won't, uh, won't take us too long to get through all of them. Uh, but just to remind everybody, if you haven't joined us for the recap episodes, we are not watching ahead. We have not seen any episodes of The Defenders as we record at the moment. We're going to wait until uh, we're finished doing these recordings, and then we'll kick on to our Defenders watching Yes, and of course, not only the Defenders on the 18th of August, but if you want to listen to our podcast on any of the other individual series of the Defenders, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Iron Fist, or Luke Cage, then please head on over and subscribe uh, on Apple Podcasts through DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes, or you can search Defenders TV Podcast on any other good podcast catcher of your choice. Please feel free to leave a review. That always helps for new listeners to come and find us, uh, and as well as getting some feedback to see that we're we're doing things A-OK. Absolutely. Speaking of feedback, you can email us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com with your thoughts on each episode of The Defenders. Just make sure you mark the episode title or the episode name uh, in the email that you send us. You can also send us a voicemail through our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com or finally, come on over and join us in our Facebook group over at Facebook.com slash groups slash DefendersTVPodcast where we chat all things comics, all things podcasting, and all things Marvel over there. It'd be great to have you join us as we get into this series. Yeah, uh, the way we've been doing our recap episodes, we've been looking primarily at the showrunner, having a look at the overarching aspects of the series, and of course seeing where our titular hero or heroine end up uh, at the end of their season, uh, leading into the Defenders. Mm. Where will they be? Will it be prison? spitting blood into a puddle at a bar or maybe going on holiday to somewhere much further away than china 
New York City, you mean, then. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. Later on, later on, that joke's going to make sense. If you've watched our, yeah. listened to our podcast before, you'll understand what we mean. If not, we'll we'll come back to that later. Absolutely. Kun Lun is actually in the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think with this, on to Iron Fist. The showrunner here was Scott Book, who has now been thrown off. I mean, now he has moved to Inhumans. Uh, he is going to be showrunner there for the Inhumans, which seems to be getting excellent uh, press at the moment, uh, in the same way that I'm fisted. Um, and we will get a new season two showrunner for I'm Fist, just so that everyone is aware, uh, Raven Metzner. Yeah, that was announced there at San Diego Comic-Con recently. But yet, for season one, the original showrunner was Scott Book, who mm. did later seasons of Dexter. So he has, you know, coming into this, it was all guns blazing. And in fairness to him, um, you know, this got a lot of heavy criticism at, at the time, particularly for episode one, which I think back at, in the day we reviewed sort of middling um it yeah. wasn't the best it wasn't necessarily the worst but in terms of opening um for uh iron fist the th- uh, the 13-episode series, unlike the other ones, it, it really didn't seem to pack a punch, which is odd, given that this is the Iron Fist. And <laughs> um, it, it felt a, a bit sedentary, um, but it, it, it picked up. And in fairness, it's really laid a lot of the groundwork for um, the Defenders now, especially in relation to the Hand. I think even with Iron Fist, I think there was a getting to grips, really, of this character. And, and by the end, I think Danny Rand really was shining through. Uh, and, of course, with all his other uh, allies, such as Claire Temple and Colleen Wing. Yeah, yeah, this is obviously the most recent show that we've covered. We only finished covering it a couple of months ago, so it still feels very fresh in my mind. Anyway, uh, what we talked about and how we and how we discussed the episodes. Chris, what's what was your overall impression on the show? Again, hindsight in, is twenty twenty. Looking back on it now, yes, it was almost reviewed too harshly by the critics, by the general audience. Kind of, I would say. The the reason I say this is. One, we had been spoiled with four seasons of other characters who who had already been established. They did something unique with each of them. Unfortunately, like Iron Fist came in at a time where political correctness in the in the overall world was a bit of an issue, or not an issue, but it's it's a it's a thing that comes up quite a lot. Um, and it was before it even launched was mired with, well, you should change this character to an Asian American, and well, that was one side of the group, and then the other side was very much getting onto, um, actually, no, we should keep the way the character has been portrayed for, what, 40, 50 years in the comic books. So straight away it came into a heated debate. Yes. Um, looking back on it now, the show, while it had some serious not flaws, but missteps. 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 Yeah. It stumbled a bit. Overall, as you said, it gave us a majority and a lot more information regarding where the defenders as a whole this show is going. Um the, the information on the hand. For every three missteps, there was at least one strong kind of uh, overall 
launch. That's not a good percentage return, though, Chris. <laughs> <It isn't> Chris. <laughs> um, uh, overall, I really enjoyed the series. I think we, we discussed it in depth uh, for the 13th episode. So um, I've got a bit more thoughts, I think, on this episode, uh, being a full recap of the full series. Um, but, John, do you want to give us the synopsis for the series? Certainly. After his family meets a tragic fate while on an expedition in China, a young Danny Rand is adopted by the people of the mystical lost city of Kunlun, where he's taught a magical fighting style and becomes the city's protector as the Iron Fist. Despite the great power of Shaolao the Undying that is within Danny Rand, he has still not mastered control of his chi. However, Danny still feels there is something is missing, and he returns to New York after being missing for 15 years to reclaim his family company. Back in New York, he is not welcomed with open arms, and he must fight to retain his sanity and Rand Enterprises from the Meachams. When the threat of the Hand emerges, Rand is faced with the choice between returning to Kunlun as its protector and his duties as the Iron Fist, or his duties to his native New York City and his family's legacy. As he encounters the Hand, his loyalties and allies are challenged and changed. Friends become foes and adversaries offer advice and come to his aid. As the Hand's operations are damaged in New York, another threat seeks to destroy Danny Rand as Harold Meacham reveals his true colours as the corrupting murderer of Danny's mother and father. In the final face-off, Danny uses his incredible kung fu mastery and ability to summon the awesome power of the fiery Iron Fist to destroy Harold, just as Kunlun, left exposed and weak with Danny's absence, is seemingly destroyed by the hand. There's a lot here, I, I, I think, um, and I, I do think that this this series really was much better than unfortunately it was rated as by critics i think as chris has said there were certainly some missteps here but i do think it did get into a groove and um, certainly in the latter half of, of the season but even some of the earlier aspects you know danny kind of being put into the psychiatric hospital mm-hmm. and and just his interaction with the meachams with ward and with joy and also with with harold and um, there was really quite a lot of fluid sort of relationships in, in Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. You know, Colin Wing is shown to be a member of the Hand. Harold is shown uh, not to be the friend of the family as he once thought he was um, and it actually was involved uh, and orchestrated with Madame Gao the, the murder of Danny's parents. And even with Joy and with Ward, you know, Joy is on Danny's side, but the ending of, of Iron Fist leaves that slightly open really uh with the fact that she is meeting with with davos uh and davos is explaining to her that danny rand basically destroys everything he touches mm-hmm. of course he does he's got the iron fist um <laughs> you know, and ward ultimately comes to to his aid um despite being his harshest critic so i actually really enjoyed all these kind of fluid uh, relationships that sort of all center around danny rand yeah. um and i do think that the the way they portrayed him his memories and, and going back um to kunlun and, and certainly towards the end were it got a bit more fractured when he was having these moments of despair uh, and he was remembering all the different things that had happened over his life i think that just showed his kind of you know 
his delicate mental state and his delicate emotional state. I think Danny Rand is a very emotional character and has been portrayed that way, certainly by uh, Finn Jones. And I thought that was really well done in the end. And of Mm. course, uh, there was Madame Gao. I mean, I'm not going to say it again. Fab. Fab, 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 fab. Yes. Um, and so you are going to say it again. I am going to say it again. <laughs> and, and, you know, you get the start of the weapons uh, as well, Absolutely. the immortal weapons. Not all of them. The series, yeah. um, and not all eight of them. The, they had the big face-off um, that was directed by RZA, mm-hmm. uh, which was an excellent episode, uh, really sort of going into that the 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 fighting and and channeling that really good yeah sorry i've been uh talking quite a lot there john is our iron fist fan as uh, yes. any listeners who haven't heard all of our episodes um i did have one question that i wanted to interrupt you with earlier on which was i suppose one of the pieces that chris talked about which was the casting of finn jones in the role while hugely controversial he's very similar to danny rand in the comic books though yeah, um, it's definitely. the same. It's the same type of character. Um, one of the things I think that was a, was quite a bit of a strength, if you stuck with the series of Iron Fist, was the character of Danny Rand. You know, he is a very open guy. He's a very uh, blank slate almost on purpose because he's a, he was taken as a twelve year old to Kunlun uh, for his training, and then had been outside of the world for that whole period of time while he's over in in the mystical city, and then comes back to New York. So they didn't do a lot of fish out of water storylines with him, but they did do some PTSD storylines with him. They did do some things about him not understanding how the world of New York really worked and why everybody was so focused on money when he'd been trained all of his life to protect the innocents, to protect people. And I thought that uh, Finn Jones playing that role, I thought he was very, very good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think um, I think to add to what Chris said as well about the controversy surrounding his uh, casting and whether um, an Asian actor should have been cast in that role or or, or, or not, there, there was that element, absolutely. Uh, and, um, you know, for a lot of people, that was shut us down and end of story. Mm-hmm. But there was also as well that additional element that, you know, he's a billionaire. Uh, Matt, uh, Luke, Jessica are all really scrapping um, to find their way. And Danny has in a different way. Um, in the sense that he's lost his parents, but as well, um, you know, the, I think I remember, I certainly recall that there being kind of a an underlying thread saying, well, he's not like the others as well, that the, there was that kind of separation. Absolutely. Uh, and because of that billionaire aspect and Rand Enterprises. And I, maybe that had something uh, to do with it as well. Absolutely. And Chris, obviously, there's a, another huge character in the show, the other major hero in the show that gets introduced to us uh, through Danny, which is Colleen Wing. So what about Colleen and, and Danny's relationship? Did you, did you like that dynamic? I, I did. Um, so the large shock, that twist that we kind of that, that was given to the audience, that Colleen was a member of a faction of the hand, yeah. one of the fingers, if you will, <laughs> that she was taking her students off the streets, so not off the streets, but taking them from well or non kind of downtrodden areas and giving them a home in the hand as soldiers. Yeah, that was a good storyline, and I do like Colleen's storyline. The connection she made with Danny was it did seem forced, and that was the fun part because he thought he even thought it was forced, mm-hmm. and then what you kind of you are given is that this actually was not that she has fallen for him. She does care about the the weak. Uh, she was led to believe that the Hand were actually a force for good, 
not a force for evil. Yeah, yeah. So overall, that arc is quite good. We did call the twist slightly early. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was one of the, I think it was John or your crazy theory. And it turned out to be true. So I was quite happy with that. I got one um, right. <laughs> yes. Um, but overall, it was good. And where it leaves Colleen being a back on the side of the good at the end of the series, um, being Danny's confidant, being mm-hmm. his, his love interest. Which, again, is quite interesting because, in theory, Misty Knight is his love interest in the comic books. Mm-hmm. So what we're now getting an introduction of Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, the Daughters of the Dragon, and Danny going out with the, the other one, not the one from the comic books. <laughs> and what we do have, then, is Luke Cage going out with uh, Claire Temple. And we have Jessica Jones going out with no one. And we have Matt Murdock going out with Elektra. Well, that one's, that one's the one we all knew. But the other ones are all slightly askew. So it's going to be interesting where how, where we are left in terms of these relationships at the end of the Defenders. Yeah, I have, are a, feeling, these relationships- I have a feeling uh, Matt's relationship with Elektra took a little bit of a turn for the worse at the end of season two of, of Daredevil, though. Oh, yeah. Like, when she, <laughs> like death, death is nothing to a superhero. We Come are on. in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, yes. um, that's yeah, true. Uh, definitely. Jessica Hemwick's Colleen Wing was a standout of the show for me. I just thought... Her fighting scenes were fantastic. I uh, loved her storyline, uh, particularly the first the first five episodes. There was a little bit of a, a dip in the storyline as she was pushed into the background a little bit when there was too many other characters around. Uh, she kind of disappeared a little bit from the show. Um, but it made me miss her every time she wasn't there because of how good uh, how good the actress was playing the role. Um, and yeah. it, she's just one of those characters I really want to see more of. I'm really excited to see the fact that she seems to be getting her own kind of separate arc from the Defenders within within the Defenders show. Uh, it does seem like Colleen's going to go off on her own little journey uh, while Danny goes and, and deals with the Defenders. So I'm interested to see a lot more of, uh, of Jessica Henwick in the show. I think she was the first announced as uh, a secondary character for the show. So uh, so hopefully they've got a lot to do for her. Yeah, and I, I think the other, like Bakuto as well, um, he was a really good member of the hand, really good villain. I, I really enjoyed his uh, interaction with with Colleen Wing, you know, he he comes in. I think originally we may have thought he could have been Davos. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we thought everybody was Davos. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, that's Davos. Yeah. The guy who fixing windows. That's Davos. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> turned out one of them was Davos. <laughs> yeah. You know, new stuff about the Immortal Iron Fist, but and just that connection with Madame Gao as well, that, you know, these different factions of the hand don't necessarily see eye to eye. Yeah. It felt like Bakudo's like version of the hand was kind of like a big I don't know, a big organization like a Facebook or a Google or something which tells itself that it's not uh not evil. Even yeah. though it's come from evil. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the great thing about uh, those as well was just that, you know, Bakuto had that old black and white footage of a previous uh, Iron Fist. Which was awesome. Which was absolutely amazing. <laughs> and, of course, then with Madame Gao, um, in, I think it was in episode six that was directed by Riza, where she says, you're not the first Iron Fist that I've met. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, immediately as well shows her own strength and power by knocking Danny along a massive warehouse uh-huh. um, so yeah. really you know tying these these characters into almost the same world as Con Lun and the the, the mysticism of, of uh, that immortal city yeah. um, and Shao Lao the Undying really really cool and of course um, Davos 
when he when we finally did spot him and and uh, our hundredth attempt, what a great character brought that kind of you know I'm your best friend, but incredibly jealous of you for having uh, become the immortal Iron Fist, Absolutely. and and how that kind of um, that jealousy overtook him, and and certainly after they'd been fighting Bakuto, which was, again, just so beautiful. I think it was in Central Park, in in, in that area of Central Park, uh, which was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. So the one thing we were all coming into Iron Fist, we were questioning was how they would bring this mystical element that is Kung Lung, uh, one of the heavenly cities, how they bring all that into it. Yeah. Um, we, We never were quite sure. Uh-huh. And they did, and to give them some props where props are due, they did that. They made it a kind of structured story. Like, yes, there's some suspension of belief that even you characters make fun of, which is you killed an undying dragon. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. An undying dragon, you killed him, and you took his heart. Okay, like there, there is even slagging there, but they managed to do this in such a way I thought was really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, done. Uh, yeah, I think. For me, that was the little disappointment of the show. Um, my understanding, and these kind of numbers are never really released, but my understanding is that this is the one of the Marvel Netflix shows that got the least amount of budget. And given its subject matter, you know, this the mysticism, the city on an, another side of the world, uh, a, a fight with a dragon, given all of those things, this this show probably needed the most spent on it. So, yes. Um, so they did a, n- a number of things to kind of hide the budget, I suppose. Um, the fight with the dragon being just the eye of the dragon in a, yeah. in a cave, obviously. Uh, I was waiting for a lot of the series and was a little bit disappointed to not have that moment. If you're doing the origin story of the character, you, that's kind of where you pour the money into. Um, you know, That was probably one of my disappointments with Iron Fist. But one thing that wasn't a disappointment with the show was the characters of the Meachams, which are... Three very, very big characters in this show. Um, what I particularly loved, and I think all of us had the same feeling about the character, but Ward Meacham being the character who was the most irritating in episode <laughs> one, two, and three, where you didn't want to watch him on screen because he was so like an 80s Wall Street guy. And by episode seven or episode eight, you're watching this guy crack and fall apart yeah. and be the most interesting thing on the screen. Betray his father. Betray, betray and kill his father, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the end. Absolutely, and he's back in charge of the of Rand Industries with Danny Rand by his side, effectively. Yeah, it is literally the titular rise, fall, and rise again of a character. Yeah, I thought Tom Pelfroy here was really good as Ward Meacham. The middle finger to the cameras that his dad uh, has got in the uh, in his office uh-huh. was just classic. I love the fact that obviously the way they had styled his hair for this, which was all slicked back. As soon as he became slightly unhinged, started to, you know, the gel started to fray. So it, it gave him a, an even bigger sense of craziness. Um, he was taking the antidepressants or whatever pills those were, and then ends up taking on the, the new uh, steel serpent uh, emblazoned drug. Uh, he's, taking bodies out to the Meacham's pond of death where all the, <laughs> the bodies are stored. Uh-huh. And then he kills his, his dad. Uh, he stabs him. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Zombie Harold returned. And again, you know, David Wenham, 
fantastic as Harold Meacham, just real unnerving. I think of any of these, I do feel Joy probably was suddenly almost forgotten about uh, in the middle. She was very much there at the start, um, but but really Joy's character was the one that seemed to kind of fall off a bit within uh, the series, which was a shame because she was closest uh, to Danny. Yeah. Um, and obviously the... the the sudden reveal to her that her father was still alive. The Meachams were really, really good. And of course, as well, there was Kyle, the ice cream ghost. Um, <laughs> Poor so, yeah. Kyle ordering his vanilla ice cream and paying for it being so boring. Ice cream um, scoop yeah, death. It, it was fabulous. It was absolutely fabulous. Um, and I loved David Wenham and the show. Um, I was expecting him to be the big bad all the way through, having Ward kill him halfway through the series and have him come back to life uh, to just walk back into Ward's life and kind of uh, and still make his life even worse. Um, I love how much pain and tragedy and horror is unleashed on Ward Meacham. He was before he was just a CEO of a company. Yeah, okay, he was a he was a bit of a hard ass, but to have gone through all of this stuff in three months, you know, I'm surprised he didn't end off in. Uh, in a psychiatric unit for with and and the keys being thrown away, you know, um, but yeah, really, really great character. Really enjoyed watching him on screen. Yeah, no, I can't agree. Everything you guys have said, I can't agree more with. Joy was my disappointment in this series. She yeah. was underutilized towards the end. Definitely. She could have been. She could have been something so so much more. She had that with her. The actress had the potential as well. And unfortunately, I feel what they've done is kind of pulled back on her knowing that potentially they'd get a season two and where she would end up at the end of season one, but kind of set her up well for season two uh, as a bad, big bad. Mm-hmm. Not a big bad, but at least a bad. But my standout as well, uh, above Finn Jones, slightly above Finn Jones, but still above Finn Jones, would be uh, Tom Pelfrey as Ward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like it was just fantastic, fantastic as an as an actor, as a character arc. You actually started you you started by hating him, then you start to feel some empathy, then you hated him some more, and then you kind of like him. And now you're towards the end, at the end of the season, you are no, no, actually, I I like this guy. Yeah. He will. Yeah. He will do well with Rand Enterprises. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, overall, that's kind of the the overarching piece of, of the show, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I suppose the final thing I would say on it is that um, his his chi and his iron fist. Okay, he was learning about it and so on mm. uh, as he went through this. It felt sometimes that it was used a bit inconsistently at times. Absolutely. You know, he knows he's got this power and he's used it before he gets any further teaching from Bakuta in terms of that he can heal, start to heal people um, as well as, uh, you know, understanding how he really regenerates his chi. But I think occasionally it, you were kind of there going, why is he not using the fist here? And why is he not using it here? And, and so on. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that was sometimes a bit problematic. It just that inconsistency, but obviously when he did light up that, that yellow fist with his chi, it was really, really cool to see. Yeah. And I do, I, I do understand the the kind of pushback that you got from the writers and from the showrunner and from everybody involved in the production to that type of criticism, which was, well, he's only learning. He'll by the end of the season, he's much stronger and much more powerful. But it is, as you say, John, it's the inconsistency of it is the problem. Without the explanation as to why, you know, um, even. 
terrible soap operas have oh they got a bump on the head so they've forgotten what they did yesterday uh, this seemed like there were inconsistencies because maybe the writers didn't tell each other what they were doing episode to episode with the character or something like that it felt like genuinely we don't really know how powerful he is throughout the show so one episode he's much more powerful and knows exactly how to punch through a wall and other episodes he needs to work up for three or four hours to get centers yeah. G and do that kind of move. It was definitely yeah. that there needed to be a, a, a basil exposition a little bit, there, yeah. uh, to some extent uh, with that. And I, I think sometimes that was one of maybe the missteps was that actually Danny's journey uh, maybe just didn't have some of the exposition that was required or yeah. where he was at, at at certain moments. But um, it was still, you know, a really good episode. I mean, I, I the, those... Uh, episodes, I think it was like eight, nine, ten, eleven, leading up were really top notch. Uh, yeah. Were there around Colleen Wing and Bakuto and Betrayal and, and Madame Gao? I thought were excellent. Really, really good. So, Chris, mm. uh, like we have with all of the other uh, shows in our recap series, where are the characters at the end of the series? The most recent and closest series, probably, well, obviously, yeah. to the Defenders. So we're only four months between the two series, really. Um, where are all the characters at the end? So first we've got Davos is kind of shown to be in Paris with Joy Meacham, mm-hmm. um, where they are making some dastardly plans against D- Danny um, under the watchful eye of Madame Gao. That's right. Which is yeah. very interesting. Who it's first of all that she's free, and second of all, we know she will have played some role in the Defenders. Um, so that's going to be quite interesting. Yeah. Which, which again makes you wonder, and again, you know, nothing confirmed about these other two characters, but does make you wonder if, if Madame Gao is in the Defenders and she's straight out of Iron Fist, does that mean she's coming along with her two new people behind her? One being Davos and the other one being Joy. Is there is there some connection? Does this give her greater access to Rand Industries if Joy is working with her, for example? Does this have a, have a moment where we will have Davos versus Danny within the Defenders because he's now working with? Madam Gao. Yeah, is is this going to be that Star Wars moment where he goes, turns from Jedi to Sith Mm. uh, and takes on the moniker of the Steel Serpent, which we know within the comics that that's the case. So Mm -hmm. uh, that would be quite good, maybe with the tutelage of Madam Gao. And she already has Um, the branding and everything. And we still know that Madam Gao as well. Um, was in Kunlun. I mean, she does a fascinating description of the city in terms of that she used to sell um, stuff underneath this like beautiful tree and blossom, all this mm. kind of stuff. So, you know, um, while she might not be Mother Crane, let's hope there might be a case where that does actually happen. Definitely, and um, I'm, we're all still betting that she is Mother Crane yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And in the case of kind of like Rand Enterprises, what we have is Danny and Ward are back in control, uh, being that tag team similar to the fathers, uh, but obviously in a way that hopefully Ward will not try to kill Danny. Yeah, again. I do remember commenting on it at the time where the where the two framed portraits of the two of them go up on the walls, just like their fathers were there. And you're going, yeah, but Joy was like head of the company for years. Is she not going to get her portrait on the wall? I know it's symbolic, but... <laughs> put her portrait on the wall she deserves it after all this time but anyway uh, no 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 no. she's evil now we don't like evil <laughs> i think she turned evil because her portrait didn't go on the wall that was that was really it she walked up going i'm guys i'm home oh <laughs> she's changed her name to bitter now yeah bitter meet him 
Of course, then, what we also have is one of the factions of the hands in terms of Colleen's uh, faction and Bakuto's faction is in ruins after the death of Bakuto at the hands of Colleen Wing. So, Bakuto, is he actually 100% dead or is he going to be resurrected similar to the same process of Electrum being stored in a giant urn mm. in a large warehouse? Are all the members of the hand like human oranges being squeezed for their blood to bring them well, back to yeah. life? And I mean, the answer to that we know uh, from the basis of our San Diego Comic-Con trailer mm-hmm. discussion as well. There was a, a mini Bakuto in the background. Well, Bakuto was in the background. Uh, he wasn't was. mini Bakuto. No, he wasn't mini. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have enough blood to do a six-foot-tall version. We'll do a three I don't know why version. I called him mini Bakuto. I just think, yeah, you it sounded Austin good. Austin Powers? Yeah. <laughs> I just had this vision of a mini ninja, like a tiny ninja up to my like knees, just going around with swords, cutting people's ankles. It is. Yeah. It's mini-me, for our, but in, in the Marvel Universe. Bakuto <laughs> and mini Bakuto. <laughs> and then more importantly, gentlemen... Um, we have Danny and Colleen um, outside of Kung Lung, actually just inside the, the gateway to Kung Lung, and uh, they find death, destruction, and no Kung Lung. That's right. Um, so this is the, the most interesting part. Kung Lung, after, what was it, every 11 years? 10 15, years? 15, 15. Every 15 years. So it is left early. Yeah, I do remember there was something about that in the show, wasn't it? I think it was 10 in the show and 15 in the comics, so I'm just not exactly sure. But yeah, yes. you're absolutely right. It's gone for a very long period of time now. Has uh, it left the realm, or was it blown off the side of the mountain? <laughs> we never knew that, and that we is didn't. one of the bigger questions. Yeah, There wasn't much left of it, anyway. There was smoking ruins, or a smoking hole where yes. Kung Lung should be. Yes. Yes. And we were never sure whether that was a de- was it destroyed or was it uh, they have that kind of do not press button behind glass and they smash in case of emergency. <laughs> that didn't and it's just happen. Like, if you didn't watch the series, that didn't happen. <laughs> you just see a load of monks going, no, smash. All right. um, but that is where we end up leaving the, the Iron Fist mm. at the end of this season one. And that, that was it was uh, Danny and Colleen on the side of a very snowy mountain mm-hmm. um, trying to figure how the hell they were going to get back to uh, New York City. And we know they do. They are in the Defenders. Yeah. So it's now how. That is the question. That is true. But we also did learn that with the Defenders from San Diego that they are still on that kind of mission for Kunlun and will presumably in five minutes work their way back to New York in the same way that they flew back from the Chinese warehouse. Yeah, uh, but China was only just across in Brooklyn, though. Yes. Then... <laughs> <laughs> we never explained that. Go watch the episode. That's an easier way. Or go listen well, to the episode, I, I should say. Yeah, I think if you've, if you've seen the episodes of Iron Fist, you know that there's a, a really poorly done um, production piece that's supposed to be in China, but just you can almost see uh, the Empire State Building in the background. Uh, yeah, from the scenes. But hey, uh, yes, they they will definitely return from Kunlun back into uh, into New York, back with the defenders on a mission after, as you say, the possible destruction or disappearance of Kunlun. But now it looks like Danny is now trapped, I guess, in Earth, on Earth uh, as Kun, as his yes. his gateway to Kunlun is closed now. So yes, the gateway is like closed, that. or the gateway has been destroyed. And in the same way, that means Davos is also trapped. Yes. Uh, and we'll probably want to take this out on uh, on Danny um, as the person who's led him away from uh, from the beauty that is uh, Kunlun. Um, overall, gentlemen, who wants to go first on the, on their thoughts, final thoughts on, uh, on Iron Fist? 
Go on, Chris. So, as I said earlier, for every kind of mis- misstep there is in this show, there is equally a uh, a large leap that makes it worth it. Um, actually, I did believe I said it said three missteps for every piece that makes it worth it. Yeah. But let's not count. Um, this show is necessary. It, it connects heavily to the Defenders. Um, it has some amazing cast, amazing characters, suffers from some um, questionable writing, questionable connecting of actual episode writing by the writers. It feels like it was slightly rushed, but also, as Derek, you said, it feels like it was given the least budget, least amount of time, and uh, rushed out. Mm-hmm. But that being said, watch it. Surprisingly, I believe, I can't remember when I heard this figure, it is one of the most watched shows on Netflix this year. Uh-huh. So that's either something really good or that it's like Netflix is really bad at the moment. I'm going to take it as that being quite good. A lot of people have actually gone against the commentators and critics and went, actually, I'm going to try this out myself and have watched it through to the end. Yeah. But yeah, I would suggest do watch it, battle it out. As I said, for every misstep, there is some good ones. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I suppose from my point of view, I do hate that we're still talking about the critics' reaction to the first seven episodes. We did, we did quite a significant talk about that when we were doing our, our discussion on it. And we, we did come to the conclusion on that episode that really the critics had uh, had completely underestimated the show. They'd missed quite a lot of things, as, as you do when you're going through episode one by one by one. Uh, you do miss the fact that this is a full season. And once you get to the end of the season, you'll learn things about the characters that make them better and make them more interesting. This is not a show without its its problems, as as you've mentioned, Chris. My biggest problem with it, uh, particularly coming off the back of doing our Luke Cage podcast and watching Luke Cage, which had such a strong showrunner and such a strong focus and such a strong identity as to what it wanted to be. This show did not feel like it had the identity nailed. Uh, we went through episodes going, oh, it's a great idea to have Danny have PTSD and flashback to his uh, to his past and in, in the accident that killed his parents, and then that didn't come back for nine episodes. Yeah, uh, for no <laughs> reason, that. you know. Uh, Danny's fighting his way and has to prove that he is Danny Rand. Uh, oh, that's a great idea. As well. Oh, okay, they're going to drop that one too. Okay, and then they had another idea that they dropped, and then another idea that they dropped, and then they kept mentioning Kunlun as if it was going to come up the next episode. The first we really see of Kunlun is a very small flashback with Davos. And then at the end of the series, it's gone. And you're going, oh, okay, so you decided not to do anything to do with that mystical side. So to me, it's more about the guiding hand behind the show. I'm not going to put it all on Scott Books. There's loads and loads of other people involved in the show. But it felt like with Chio Coker on Luke Cage, with Melissa Rosenberg on Jessica Jones, and with with Marco Ramirez and Doug Petrie on Daredevil Season 2, and Stephen DeKnight in Season 1. They all had a vision for their shows, and they all seemed to guide it all the way through for the 13 episodes, most being involved in writing first and last episode, or directing them. It feels like Scott Book wasn't as involved and didn't have that guiding hand on the show, it feels. Or nobody has the guiding hand on the show. So um, that's my feeling. I did enjoy it. Overall, there was some excellent, excellent episode. And actually, the further you get into the series, yeah. I think the better it gets. But I can understand people dropping off this one. Yeah, John, just before you get into yours, speaking of Scott Book, do we think his now um, now confirmed role in The Inhumans, which is two episodes uh, back to back in the IMAX, followed by potentially another eight on the TV, 
And do we think that may have something to do with it, where he checked out halfway through, kind of went, actually, I'm going to go from this Netflix thing to this big IMAX show? Well, yeah, like it's all the same company. It's all under Jeff Loeb. You know, he, he has the he he has the final decision on all these people. So I don't think they would allow Scott to jump ship to go to the Inhumans. But I absolutely think yes, the offer came to him at a time when he was possibly in the middle of Iron Fist, uh, and he decided that Inhumans was a bigger priority for him. It, now again, these are all this is all speculation. Speculation, obviously. yeah. Inhumans is a big deal. There's a lot of money going into it from IMAX, and as John jokingly pointed out earlier on. It's not getting a huge response, and I wonder is that people's reaction to the from the man who brought you Iron Fist, which also had bad ratings, comes a new TV show uh, in the Marvel universe because it seems to be getting a lot. These two TV shows, both of them, have gotten the most hate of yep. all of the Marvel universe, all of the sixteen films plus the five TV shows. Now, for me, I, I don't think anyone should worry about the hate that in humans is proporting to to get. I mean. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got hate. Mm-hmm. Iron Man 3 has gotten... Uh, sorry, Iron Man 2 got quite a lot of hate, as did Iron Man 3. Um, I mean, people come to it as they come to it and they enjoy it or, or they dislike it. I think with Iron Fist, from my stance, I really enjoyed it in the end. I think it starts off relatively weak, but I think moving from about episode 8... It really gets into a groove which really explores the hand, mm-hmm. uh, Kunlun, you have Davos arriving. And even before that, I thought Riz's episode was really um, a good delve into that mysticism. But I think that's what it needed. I think we had to go back to Kunlun. I think uh, we really did need to, to see that city um, and really get flashbacks uh, from Danny uh, to the extent that we got with Luke Cage, um, you know, where you, you see an entire episode where he's in prison. He has the the tiara and, and the cuffs. And I think we needed to see this to really understand um, that he was emotionally broken. Um, this idea that he's been 15 years in a mystical city where he is doing meditation, learning Kung Fu and, and martial arts, uh, preparing for battle, and then he suddenly got PTSD. That's not to say that he hasn't got it, but I think it's like that last 10 or 15 years never happened. I think we needed to see more of that. We saw that they could have been quite brutal, but at the same time, they trained him up to be ultimately the protector of Kunlun. It would have been really good to have seen some of that backstory, because I think that would have given Danny Rand in New York much more context. And I think they should have linked it uh, much more, as we were saying on the Daredevil one. You know, you saw the steel serpent there, and you heard Madame Gao speaking with Auli about she's leaving New York, going very far away. And, um, you know, and instead we don't get um, the steel serpent. It is literally just a moniker on, on the drugs. Yeah. It would have actually have been nice to have had the steel serpent you know i think there were some missteps in those flashbacks then that we got uh, but i do think it it, it built uh, with colin wing and danny's relationship then the betrayal bakuto and madame gao's uh, factions it, it, it really built um and the meachams were a joy to watch i Absolutely. think um and again that's an important part of uh, of Danny's backstory, and and that I suppose ultimately actually is what they focused on. 
uh, was the Meacham's involvement in Danny's life and, and how ultimately he learns that Harold was a bit of a shit, really. So I think it started off weak, but I think it certainly got better. And I mean, Marv at the start of it, um, the the homeless guy in the park, <laughs> I mean, just made no sense in the end. You've never um, done that with that, have you? <laughs> no, absolutely made no sense. Even the eagle was so infrequent, it didn't even really register as some kind of signifier of Conlon. And so I think whether it was a low budget and maybe it was to do with the showrunner getting a new gig, maybe during um, production. I, I don't know. Um, but I think that kind of mystical side of things needed to be the focus through through this. Yeah. Um, definitely. And and his his trials in Kunlun and his emotional detachment from his parents whilst in Kunlun because of their death and him needing to kind of reconnect with them by coming back to New York. Absolutely. But I still enjoyed the series Absolutely. and I would recommend yeah. anyone to watch it because it really is important for the defenders and it really does connect a, a lot of different threads like Madame Gao from Daredevil. You have Claire Temple there mm-hmm. and Ultimately, I think it's going to be hugely important for the Defenders and connecting back into Daredevil. Well, one of the things we did learn in the show, and just to highlight it because we didn't really talk about it, is the reanimation of uh, of Harold Meacham. He's not actually reanimated. Nobody goes out and does it. He gets killed and comes back to life. So just one of the things to, to highlight that that's what we learned from Iron Fist. So effectively, all of the hand ninjas that were reanimated and were fighting Daredevil, if they haven't got their heads chopped off, they will be reanimated again and will come back. Uh, Elektra is now, has now gone through the same process. So that means, again, she can't die. Um, so she is effectively an immortal now uh, because she's gone through exactly the same process as Harold Meacham. If Bakuto has gone through the same process, again, he is also someone that can, cannot die in the show. So there's loads of these characters now all on the ha- side of the hand that we've now learned from this show can't die without having their head removed from their yeah. body. So yeah, unless they're um, top and tails. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to have their head removed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we hopefully may get that scene where Jessica and Luke punch two of the immortal hands and literally clear their heads off it. Yeah. That could be. They're both super powered, and be like, "Oh, we can only kill you by cutting your heads off." Okay, <laughs> we just pull it off. I will rip your head off. Uh, one yes. final thing before we before we head on, I'll put a bit of a poll out in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast. Uh, just to find out what, uh, now that we've done our four recap shows, I wanted to find out what our group thought of the actual main four Defenders. We have obviously Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage. Um, with 8% of the vote, Luke Cage is our final Defender. Iron Fist is 13%, so very close to Luke. Jessica Jones, 37% of the vote went to Jessica. And just higher, a little bit higher, 42% of the vote went to Daredevil with two seasons again. And he was the first defender. So uh, so understandable that he'd be a little bit higher than the rest of them, but took a lot of the votes really as well. So I yeah. uh, thought, thought it was an interesting poll. I think all three of us landed on Jessica Jones, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is definitely our favourite and our favourite character uh, from, from all of the shows. So really looking forward to seeing her next week. As you're listening to this, listeners, next week is when the, when the Defenders is coming out. So really looking forward to seeing Jessica and all of the cast back 
on that. On Definitely. That. I, I can't wait to see how these four interact and get pushed and shoved by, by Alexandra and the hand. Yes. And if you want to join us for those podcasts and all of our podcasts, all you need to do is go over to uh, find us on Apple Podcasts. Just search for Defenders TV Podcast or go through our link on our website at defenderstvpodcast.com slash iTunes. Or you can find us on any good or evil podcast catcher just by searching for Defenders TV Podcast and subscribing to us there. Absolutely. And as we move into the Defenders on the 18th of August, we will be putting up on our Facebook group spoiler posts. Um, So that's where we will highlight the episode for discussion and then to have that discussion in the comments so Mm -hmm. that anyone flicking through the page who hasn't uh, yet reached that episode uh, won't get spoiled. So we will do that. If you want to come and join us on our Facebook group, please head over onto facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast and join us there for all the discussion and comments on the Defenders series. And of course, we will be over on Twitter as well, tweeting away at Defenders Cast. And if you just want to pop us your feedback and you don't want to get involved in the Facebook thing or the Twitter thing, you can still traditionally email us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com or send us a voicemail from our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. We want to hear even more voices during the Defenders. We've been around doing this for two and a half years now with each of the shows uh, leading up to the Defenders. This is the big one. We've always joked about it with our Summer of Spider-Man and with our Summer of Doctor Strange that everything's leading to those movies. It was never leading to that. This is Defenders TV Podcast, your home for the Defenders coverage and our home. So come join us as you go through the episodes. Send us in a voicemail after each episode. We'd love to play them and talk about your thoughts as well. Absolutely. All roads lead to the Defenders. Mm -hmm. Yes, and of course, those roads can be filled with your friends. So please go ahead and rate us and review us and share and tell your friends, your grandmothers, your mothers, your brothers, your sisters, your aunties, your uncles, whichever you, whoever you may want to tell. Tell them how amazing we are. Tell them now, I'm blowing my own horn here. Tell them how amazing we are. Tell them that they must be listening to us and tell them that they have 111 episodes to catch up on by this time next week because all roads the two defenders on august 18th at either 7 a.m or 8 a.m we're still trying to figure that one out uh, but we, we will have it figured out by the time the the show drops we better because i scheduled the podcast i don't want to go on up early so uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll work out what time it's going to be out but it will be out in time for you to listen to it straight after watching the episode over on netflix thank you so much for joining us for these recap episodes hope you enjoyed them it was a great suggestion from our group over on facebook um i really enjoyed going through the four recaps that we've done of all of the uh, of all the netflix shows it's been really good will we go on to um to a recap of all of our movie reviews next no no <laughs> that's like 18 <laughs> that's been quite a few as well so let, let's not do that uh, but thanks so much for the suggestion again if you have any suggestions pop them into us we always like hearing from uh, hearing from you yes and much like the bird at the beginning of episode one of iron fist now we must take to the sky and never be explained again <laughs> <laughs> nice chris nice thank you absolutely i'm off to go and charge up my iron fist Thanks for joining us. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, we will be with you next time. Ta-ra for now. Bye.